And good afternoon. It is presently seven minutes after the hour. This disappointingly gray and cool Thursday evening in June. And once again, you're listening to Stereoscopic Readout here on 101.9 FM CITR in Vancouver UBC Campus Radio. And the show being your source for psychedelic music, garage rock, freak beat, acid punk, folk rock, some prog, and other... Ooh, musically and socially relevant artifacts from 1965 to today. And as always, I'm your host, Darren. And this is going to be pretty much a de facto Canada Day special for you because Canada Day falls pretty much halfway between this show and the next show. So getting right along, actually, it's going to be mostly even, I think, an all-Vancouver show. I've only done that, I think, once before. Started this off with... The Nocturnals, um, a very fine Vancouver band uh, from the pre-psychedelic era, I believe. Um, well, I believe you'd refer to it as the pre-psychedelic era, 1964 through 66. The Nocturnals, I think, lasted until 1968, but that was their high water mark, as it were, was that um, that tune, If This Ain't Love. And it's quite a fine for me anyway it's it's one of my favorite embodiments of Vancouver's musical heritage from those years sort of a kind of a subdued garage garage rock version of um well geez what would it be 
a Stone song that whose name now eludes me. Um, maybe his tears go by. Followed that with another Vancouver band called The Look, and that was pretty much the only thing that you can find by them on album that comes from that particular track in a whirl comes from history of vancouver rock and roll volume four uh it was originally released as a promotion or part of a promotional ep by the sgm label uh run by this guy named stan care who is also i think the manager of long time coming who i who have played before and if we sort of run out of special tracks for this show uh towards the end of the show i may play some long time coming for you but otherwise i'll reserve them for a later show maybe even the next one next week but uh where was i going with this oh yeah rolls royce booking presents live from vancouver the look silver chalice review the sound set and the rain um sound set and the rain are two bands i've never heard anything by before so that'd be pretty cool if i could track that album down probably would have to pay through the nose for it though silver chalice review uh oddly enough well not not oddly if you consider the the way the scene was working in those days but uh, silver chalice review were an r&b big band combo um kind of unusual to find them wedged in with a bunch of folk rock and psych bands um on history of vancouver rock and roll volume four but the thing you need to consider when consider uh, when thinking about or looking at Vancouver's music scene back in the day was that the two big uh, musical movements which were vying for people's attention, um, especially in 1967 and 68, was on the one hand the new sort of hippie movement centered first, which was first of all centered around the West End, and then when rents started to go up, they all moved over to Kitsilano. You had the hippies on the one hand. And on the other hand, you had a massive R&B soul scene, which was centered down on Hastings at Maine, um, which is quite sad to see the state it's descended into today. But back around the time my parents would have been going out for an evening, uh, if you wanted to go see a lot of club bands, soul bands, R&B bands, you'd go what was referred to as downtown, which was Maine and Hastings, uptown being the sort of Maine and Broadway area. Uh, lots of clubs which were around there at the time. The only one which I know of offhand, uh, or I can remember offhand, was the Smiling Buddha Cabaret, which the building of which is still there. Um, it's in quite sad state these days, though. Anyway, I'm digressing a little bit. Now, I mentioned some special tracking this evening, and I'm going to get to it. I don't believe... I think it's been about a year since I've done a special on The Collectors, which is hands down my vote for, well, I wouldn't say the, I can't say the best because, I mean, that's pretty subjective, but certainly they were one of the top bands to come out of Vancouver. They're one of the certainly best remembered bands if you put them alongside, say, the United Empire Loyalists and the Painted Ship and Mother Tucker's Yellow Duck. But certainly they're my favorite local band of that period. And basically the Collectors were a band which started off um, in the early to mid-60s as the Classics. And they performed variously or in various contexts uh, as either the Classics, 
the Canadian Classics or the Sea Fun Classics. Uh, the Sea Fun Classics, which is which is what we're going to kick off the special uh, tonight with, was so named because basically they backed local DJ at the time, Fred Latrimo, and that's a name that ought to be familiar with you. For a song called, uh, rather goofy song called The Latrimotion. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if uh, the kids who are listening who don't know who Fred Latrimo is, uh, he's now kind of a easy listening radio station DJ. I don't know if he's actually still on the air. I know he came back. He retired and went to Hawaii where he hosted that infamous party which got uh, Premier Campbell drunk and... Uh, when he got when Campbell got busted for driving under the influence, um, he came back to Vancouver with his wife Kathy, and they were back on the radio. I don't think they're even on the radio now. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, somebody could fill me in. But basically, back in the day, Fred Latrimo was a major. He was kind of like the Dick Clark of Vancouver. And I've seen him. I've seen footage of him hosting Let's Go. There was a TV show on weekday afternoons called let's go which would be music oriented usually uh would i think uh i believe the show would actually rotate throughout canada there'd be shows hosted in toronto and winnipeg and halifax and montreal um and of course in each case they would showcase local bands as well as touring bands and i've seen footage of him hosting a 1968 edition of Let's go with hair down past their shoulders and a Fu Manchu mustache. <laughs> but uh, the the classics being one of the house bands on Let's Go, obviously it was very natural for them to be the backup band for him to do his Latromotion single. But they were a you know they were a locally successful recording and touring band in their own right, and which is where they picked up the. Canadian Classics moniker when they signed to uh, Los Angeles record label Vault in 1966 to put out the I Don't Know, backed with Gone Away single. Uh, they did release several singles locally in Vancouver, though. And where are we at here? Yeah, at the time, the classics consisted of Howie Vickers on vocals, Brian Russell on guitar, Claire Lawrence on saxophone, Glenn Miller on bass and Gary Taylor on drums. And this right now is the Seafun Classics, later to be called The Collectors with the Latramotion.
Collectors from 1966 and two tracks, Eyes and Don't Feel Bad, started that off with the Collectors under the guise of the Seafund Classics with Fred, with Fred Latrimo and the Latrimotion. Um, in 1966, there was a bit of a lineup change with the band and excuse me, Brian Russell and Gary Taylor left the band and replaced them. Bill Henderson came in on guitar and Ross Turney on drums. It was a transitional period, uh, and those two last 
collector's songs are essentially demos from that period, and they certainly illustrate the direction that the collectors were coming from and heading towards. Eyes obviously pointing the direction that they would head into in 1967 and 68, whereas Don't Look, or sorry, Don't Feel Bad, carrying much more of the earlier R&B flavored sound of the classics with it, as you just heard. The Collectors also, um, at the same time, Howie Vickers, their vocalist, uh, became involved with a side project called The Eternal Triangle with Tom Northcott and Susan Jacks. But uh, basically, the band spent 1966 gelling, I guess, as a new unit and writing new material. And the first fruits of this, uh, shall we put it... um, New Direction was their probably their biggest hit, the Looking at a Baby single, backed with Old Man. Looking at a Baby was a... What was it? It was their biggest... Oh, no, it wasn't their biggest. Sorry. <laughs> I'm giving you erroneous information. It was their second biggest hit, but it was certainly their big breakthrough hit. And Looking at a Baby is what you're going to listen to right now. Is it getting dark there? 
What might one hear when listening to an episode of Mondo Trash Show with Maxwell Maxwell on CITR 101.9 FM? I love you so much, Madonna. Sundays at 9 o'clock in the evening. And that's why I'm going to kill you. Sundays at 9 o'clock in the evening. Just look at this muscle, man. Oh, God, it's so beautiful. Hey, I'm Maxwell Maxwell, and every Sunday at 9 p.m. on CITR, I play electro and indie rock, and I give away free concert tickets, and you should totally listen, because it's pretty cool. AMS Connect is a brand new service that offers a variety of ways for you to get connected to your campus, your city, and your world. We provide online listings of local volunteer opportunities and internship placements that allow you to gain valuable job experience and explore your passions outside of the classroom. The Connect office also facilitates volunteer placements abroad. Do stuff, get involved. For more information, call 604-822-9268 or you can go to their website at www.ams.ubc.ca slash vex. Took that last swig of coffee and woo. <laughs> uh, we are back. Uh, started that set with, where are we at here? That's not it. Doo-doo-doo. There we go. 
Started that. That was a set of the Collector's 2 uh, singles from 1967. Started that off with the Looking at a Baby backed with Old Man single, which was quite a substantial Canadian hit at the time. And when you consider that, and this is particularly true of North America as a whole, but more so in Canada when there were local labels, and Vancouver really was quite cut off from the rest of the country. In many ways at the time, there were very few other Canadian bands that would come to Vancouver um, on tour. I think the only one that I can think of that I remember seeing playing, not that I actually saw them, but seeing advertisements for them playing the Retinal Circus were the Paupers. Um, If anybody out there is listening, during the next break, you're welcome to phone in and uh, reminisce and provide, you know, fill me in. But... Really, there wasn't much traffic back and forth across Canada. There were, there was, though, a lot of traffic north and south between San Francisco and Vancouver. And I'm going to be getting that to that in a second. But Looking at a Baby did chart nationally. And the next single that they released in 1967, Fisherwoman, backed with Listen to the Words, which was the last song you heard in that set, charted even better. I think in the... Where are we at here? Yeah, it was a. I think it was the number fifteen hit nationally in Canada. Now, speaking of this north-south transfer of um, talent and communication, the Collectors did sign to the American label Valiant, which was in a roundabout way a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. Uh, local folk, uh, excuse me, local folky. Tom Northcott had already signed directly with Warner's um, earlier. I think in 1966, possibly. And the collectors followed suit, signing to Warner's, or Valiant, as it were, and having an album released on them in 1968. Uh, It was self-titled, the collectors, but the U.S. copy, or the U.S. pressing, is sort of subtitled New Vibrations from Canada. And we are going to actually listen to that album in its entirety over the next... Well, I don't know how long it's going to take, but uh, I'll, first we're going to hear side one. Anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. But before that, <laughs> before that, it, actually, you're also going to hear, I think this is the first time I've been directed to play a paid advertisement. So before we go into The Collector's 1968 self-titled debut album, you're going to be hearing an ad from the Biltmore Cabaret. But before all that, let's get this all queued up here. Before that, it's ticket giveaway time, and I was really surprised to see this band appears to have reformed um, in some uh, capacity or another. The first person to call me at 822-2487, that is 604-822-2487, will win two tickets to see Eric's trip at the Plaza Club on Thursday, July the 10th. 822-2487, that is UBC-CITR. How long do you think it'll be before I can do the show? You're starting tonight. Well, do it live! If you talk to the average teenager of today and you ask them what it is about rock and roll music that they like, the first thing they'll say is the beat, the beat, the beat. 
The Biltmore Cabaret at 395 Kingsway is Vancouver's newest live showroom devoted to independent music of all genres. But a lot of these rooms are nothing but pure uh, carnality and uh, fleshly and so forth. But... Check out BiltmoreCabaret.com for upcoming show info and DJ nights. You're pretty happy with the way you look and the attitude you've got, are you?
Once in every hundred years they appear Why they come and where they're from isn't Such a fuss about what he considered such a useless thing.
Concluding side one of the collector's self-titled 1968 debut album here on 101.9 FM CITR. The show is Stereoscopic Readout, and I'm your host, Darren. Um, The songs you just listened to comprising side one started off with What is Love, followed by She, Will of the Wind, Howard Christman's Older, Lydia Purple, and the last track you heard was One Act Play. Um, just thought I'd butt in and give you some information and a little bit of a, I guess, warning 
for what's going to happen next. Um, more of that in a second. Uh, the album of obviously recorded for Valiant uh, Records in Los Angeles, uh, recorded by Dave Hassinger, who had worked with the Rolling Stones and the Jefferson Airplane, as also with the Electric Prunes, for whom Hendr- Bill Henderson of the Collectors would play session guitar for the infamous Electric Prunes' third album, Mass in F Minor, for which, uh, curiously, none of the Electric Prunes were actually on that album. <laughs> um, yeah, the album, the, basically, the collectors did spend a lot of time in California playing in Los Angeles and in San Francisco, and rather curiously would come home to Vancouver really just to visit and play a few play shows. Um, the track which takes up all of side two, the 19-minute-plus song the what love suite uh was pretty much a product of its time there were all kinds of bands at the time it was a very west coast thing actually to devote an entire uh, side of an album to a song love did it with revelation uh the seeds did it with damn it i can't remember the name of that songs but the seeds had done it um the grateful dead would do it um and what love suite essentially was pretty much a a product of its place and time. Um, I'm going to leave it up to you to make up your mind about whether or not it has stood the test of time. I tried listening to it once and didn't really get very far, but uh, we'll we'll try it again, shall we? And essentially it did, it was quite successful when played live um, in San Francisco. However, in New York City, they, uh, when it was played, I think the, the village voice summed it up by saying that the best thing the collectors do the best thing the collectors could do for the music industry was disband but uh the album actually did do get a certain amount of underground success in Europe uh mainly in the UK in Germany and in the Netherlands but uh without further ado um this is side 2 the what love suite with the collectors Thank you. 
Masculine beers had homosexual fears or sentimental cheers or tears. No one hears. What love is it that breeds contempt of love? Violence is virile, but tenderness 
see now Sensitivity is vile Destroying masculine bile Beware the star
What love is it that I can gain by stepping on my friend? You saw my way, pushing through the mud. What the hell is fate? Screw the world. It's late. It's too late. It's too
safe to assume that anyone who preaches knows? Is it safe to assume that anyone who doesn't preach knows? Is it safe to assume? Is it safe? What's safe? What the hell is safe? Does someone here? Does someone here? Does someone here? Does someone here? Does someone The What Love Suite from the entire side two of the Collector's 1968 debut album. 
Um, interesting. Actually, it was an interesting saxophone solo, which I um, just heard that part for the first time, actually, and it struck me. It's kind of like an un-60s sound for the sax that uh, the solo that Claire Lawrence does during that uh, track sounds more 80s, but there's a certain, actually, you might hear a certain amount of raunch to it, which kind of harks back to the early days of the collectors when they were the classics or the C-Fun classics. A lot of their work at the time in, say, 65 and 66 was playing effectively strip joints around town and that was where the band kind of acquired an early penchant for these long instrumental breaks and um, kind of honed their chops, as it were, because uh, I think on Bill Henderson's accounting, he claimed that it was impossible to do a song that had lyrics for very long in that kind of bump-and-grind environment without collapsing into hysterical laughter at the absurdity of it all. Anyway, tonight's... uh, special on stereoscopic readout um 101.9 fm citr is drawing rapidly to a close bleak is waiting in the wings to start exquisite corpse uh, from 7:30 to 9 as he does every thursday and then at 9 ben lies in with live from thunderbird radio hell but we do still have about seven minutes left for the show um the Collectors would release one more album entitled Grass and Wild Strawberries, which effectively was a collaboration with the local playwright George Riga. It was released in 1969. George Riga had come up with a play entitled Grass and Wild Strawberries, and the Collectors were invited to write music for it and perform live on stage at various points during the play. And if, uh, that album was... Uh, a collection of the music which they had written for the play. The collectors also were commissioned uh, to adapt the What Love Suite for use as kind of a backing track for a national film board short film. And were also invited by the Canadian government to write music for the Youth Pavilion. I think the Canadian Pavilion or the Canadian Youth Pavilion at Expo 70 in Osaka, Japan. But the 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 1968 album effectively stands as their high water mark, after a fashion. They did release a few singles after Grass and Wild Strawberries into 1970, but uh, even Canadian success began to elude them. Uh, Grass and Wild Strawberries actually did also get a, a full UK release at the time, but. Um, In 1970, vocalist Howie Vickers left the band, and the band decided to carry on with Bill Henderson taking over the vocals and changed their name to Chilliwack, and I'm quite sure you all know the rest of that story. But I'm going to leave you with, I guess a single wasn't called from Grass and Wild Strawberries from the tracks on the album, but the band did release a single to coincide with launching the album, And that is what I'm going to leave you with for this week. I'm going to start off with the A side, Make It Easy, and then the B side, Fat Bird. And that is it for me from this week. And I will see you all next Thursday. Uh